Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Let Fear Bounce, tossing out those little nuggets of hope. I am your host, Kim Langling, and I have with me Christine Handy today, and she has had quite a journey, folks, and she's still on it, doing a lot of amazing things, and I've been so excited to have her on the show. So welcome, Christine, to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. It's an appropriate title. Well, thank. <laughs> thank. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I came up with it uh, a couple years ago when the world shut down and my job was one of those things that shut down on me. And I sat to my, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself, there's fear floating everywhere and there's no way I'm going to let it land on me. Absolutely not. I'm going to let it bounce. And then I thought, "Eh, I'll try a podcast. And that's what I named it. Let fear bounce. (laughs) For you. Yeah, that's a great, it's appropriate, especially for my story. So it is, it is, it goes right along with your story. So I'm so excited to have you as a guest and I'm going to let you pretty much just take the lead on it. I do want to toss a question out. I know that you are a professional model. You're yes. an author. Um, your book is turning into a film, which we're going to get into that as well, but you're also a cancer warrior. So I'm going to let you start on any one of those topics that you want, because they are all fascinating and you've had such an amazing journey. Well, let's start from the beginning. Um, I have been a model for 40 years for zero. So I consider myself and talk about myself as a lifer in the modeling space. (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly thought my modeling career would be over when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and subsequently went through 28 rounds of chemotherapy, which is when I lost my hair and my beauty and what I thought was important, which was all external values. And I certainly uh, was reminded during that journey without hair, with weighing 90 pounds and without any, any external beauty that my value had nothing to do with that. My value was inside. And the weight of my value was not measured by society or accolades or a modeling career. It was measured by my self-worth and my faith. And so that's really when I started to change the trajectory of my life. I continued to model after, but for a different reason, which I'll I'll talk about in a minute. But then I became an author because I wanted to write the story of this is how you shouldn't live life. It's not a it's not a self-help book. It's a novel. It's a fictional depiction of my life. But it shows really the character of who I was prior to my diagnosis and the character after. And they're very different. Although I won't disparage myself, I certainly loved myself. I just had different values. And I think in society, they teach us that materialism and transaction and accolades from outside is what should fuel us. And I'm here to tell you that's absolutely not right. That will get you into some deep quicksand and you will lose your sense of self and your self-love very quickly because all of those things can be taken away. Our beauty can be taken away in, you know, a, a day, our money, our relationships, right? And so if you build your life on those things solely, I apologize. No, no, no worries. If we build our lives on those things and and suddenly they get taken away, then our self-esteem and our sense of self-worth can be shredded. So I rebuilt my life um, with the mission of being altruistic and wanting to serve the world in any capacity that I could, but really it was about the things that kept me up at night. So for instance, 
it broke my heart that men came out of, well, men and women, although I don't speak in women prisons, I speak in male prisons. It broke my heart that men would come out and feel less than or ashamed or judged by society. So I started to work in that space. It broke my heart that women who were diagnosed with breast cancer felt like their life was over. So I wanted to show by living my life that you, your life is not only is not over, but you can thrive, not just survive. And so I wrote the book, I became a speaker and then, you know, my life started to turn into a, a world of serving. And so that's what I get to wake up and do every single day, whether it's in my speaking, whether it's it, working on, in, um, you know, on social media as an influencer or on the nonprofits that I'm on the board of all these different ways that I can contribute to society. And it's not necessarily because of, well, it's not what I can get back from it. It's because of what I can contribute. So I think that's, that's beautiful. And I, I like how you said you woke up in a world of serving and um, yeah, that's just, that's beautiful. And I know so many of my guests and myself included, everything that we do has a purpose behind it in helping others. You know, mine is tossing those nuggets of hope out there and right. helping others, you know, voice their nuggets and toss those out there for people, you know, such as yourself to share your story. Now I want to touch on you. You said that you speak in male prisons. Yes. Now what made you go in that direction instead of female prisons? Well, at first I was hired to do male prisons, which I thought was kind of ironic because when I first started to speak and when my book first came out, I thought it was really geared toward women. I thought it was really geared toward women who've been through trauma or the breast cancer space, not exclusive to the breast cancer space, because I've gone through other traumas and trauma transcends one illness, right? And so I just felt like my audience would be more female. And so when I was hired to speak in male prisons, I thought, well, what can I really contribute to these inmates? And it became very clear right away that my story transcended gender, it transcended race, it transcended um, finances and, and what people have. It had nothing to do with it. It was, it's collectively a story of hope. And so that hope, you know, it is much needed in the prison system. And so ironically, after I started speaking in male prisons, which by the way, I'm still, still one of my goals is to speak in female prisons. But when I started one of the inmate, well, I have a lot of inmate stories, but one in particular, when he was released from prison, he reached out to me on social media and he said to me, I have a great idea I'd like you to be a part of. Would you meet with me? And of course I said, yes. And I drove an hour and a half to go meet him at a pizza parlor outside of Palm Beach. And he showed up in a red suit with a briefcase. And he said, the rate of recidivism in Palm Beach County is 97%. And I need people like you who are leaders to help me change that rate. And I said, okay, well, what, what do you have in mind? And now that was five years ago. And five years later, we have this amazing nonprofit called People of Purpose that he and I started. And we are literally changing the rate of recidivism in Palm Beach County. How beautiful. What an amazing yeah. thing. And you know, those isn't it amazing how those connections happen? Yeah. In the the most unanticipated ways or unexpected ways? Well, I think there's two main things that happen. One, I said, yes, right? If I was judgmental or if I was uh, fearful or if I was um, not being authentic to my character, I would have said no. And the other thing was I, he 
felt something right when he was in when I was speaking to them and it gave him some courage he told me to reach out to me when he was you know out and so if those two things didn't happen if I wasn't in that prison if I didn't speak to him if I didn't give him hope then maybe you know of course it would have never happened now since then we have other board members who are you know stellar members of the community they're CPAs they're lawyers that all want to contribute to this organization and it really does take a collective group of people always and that's also you know one one of the things i try to say is competition is out collaboration is in and if you don't think that i i think you're going to get stalted in your own life because being a part of a community being a part of a group of people is life changing and life saving i've seen i've seen that in my own cancer journey when women showed up for me and i feel like in the world that we live in it's it's so much about teaching people to separate and just do you and just be you and don't be a part of this collective group. And you don't have to think like everybody else that's, and I, I agree to some extent, but I think that being a part of community is especially coming off of COVID when we were so isolated, I think people know the effects, the emotional, the mental effects on isolation and not being a part of a community. So I, I think all of those things had to happen. And I and I think that the the more the world works into a direction of collaboration and against competition, the better off our society will be as a whole. I completely agree. I and I've said that for years as well. Collaboration over competition. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I love how that how the whole thing unfolded, you know, how a pebble was tossed and those ripples right. know, just went out and they continue to ripple which is yes. just beautiful. And I, I, I love it. I love it. So that's incredibly interesting. I thank you yeah. for sharing that part of your story. So moving on, you, you speak in different places and, you know, prisons yes. just being one of them, your cancer journey. Would you like to share a little bit about that? My cancer journey was long. I, you know, I, I, I don't think comparing anybody's journey is healthy we all have different illnesses. We all are affected differently by illness. For me, my cancer journey started in 2012 and my chemotherapy was 15 months long. Um, I did get very, very ill. I was depleted to be, to start my cancer journey emotionally and physically. And so when I was going through chemotherapy, there were several nights where I wasn't sure I was going to wake up the next morning. And it was in those dark days where I decided that I was going to stop thinking about the outcome you know, cause I got so fixated and paralyzed in fear and so worried, like, well, what, what am I going to survive? And if I don't survive, what's going to, who's going to get to raise my kids. And it was all fear-based and it was all anger. Right. I was mad that I had this disease and I was mad about well, why did I get it? And where did it come from? And what, what did I do wrong? And, and all, all these questions that have no answers to, and they're, they're, they, they have no reason, like they're, they're unended questions. So once I decided that I was not going to control the outcome, obviously I had no control. Then I started to show courage every day and I started to show up for myself every day. And with, with showing courage for myself and really caring and protecting for myself, then I was showing that to my children and I was showing that to community and I was showing that in waves. And when I started to do that, I could see the ripple effect. I could see how it was affecting other people because if I was showing up in that anger and that lack of faith and that lack of self-care, then people were, they were trying to protect me, but they were pitying me versus having compassion and empathy for me, which by the way, I don't think anybody wants pity. 
And there's a big difference between pity and compassion. And so when I started to show up for myself and my friends continued to show up for me, there was this collective group of compassion and that was uplifting versus kind of this victimhood. And, and when I became a vine, my story trans transcended to who I was inside and also transcended into the group of women that were, were serving me. So it really is a mindset. It's what we focus on. I, I completely think that when I was focusing on being a victim, I 100% was a victim and that was, I was showing to the world. And when I decided to be a vine, my whole, my life lightened. A victim to vine. Mm-hmm. There's another, yeah, that's a title for another good title for another book. <laughs> that would be a good self-help book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Victim to vine. There you go. <clears throat> so, you know, you, you, you brought up a couple things as you were chatting, um, how all that negative self-talk that you had going on, which is, is it's normal, you know, and it was all based in fear and it's a very fearful and scary thing that you were going through. Um, off mic, I'd mentioned that I have a family member that was going through, uh, breast cancer as well. And yeah, it's scary, not only for the person going through it, but for those who care. And did you find that you as the one going through it, did you find that you had to expand, expend a little bit of energy encouraging your supporters or reassuring your supporters? I had to expend a fair amount of energy babysitting other people. That's for sure. And I also had to expend a fair amount of energy babysitting the groups of friends that were a part of my team. So everybody didn't know each other in the beginning, right? But they all came together to help me. And so a lot of them crossed paths, but there there, there was friction amongst the group. And so I felt like I had to be a peacemaker when really I was meant to just be at peace and try to get better. So I do talk about that a little bit um, to breast cancer groups, because I think that is a complete waste of energy. And it's not that simple because we do want to love the people that are loving us, but loving the people that are loving us is taking care of yourself first. And it's the pride and the ego where we think, oh, well, we need to please other people, which is pride and ego that we really have to get rid of. Because it's very hard to get well when you're very ill and you're caring for others, you know, over yourself. Right. And that, and I think at that point, and this is, you know, I've not had cancer. I've just been very close to those who have. Um, I would gently say, you know what? It's actually, it's all about you. You don't worry about us. You don't worry about this. You don't worry about that. This is actually all about you. And we are here for you. What do you need from us? You know, it takes a lot of self-confidence to, to say, well, not from you, but for the patient to say that. Right. And oftentimes we're in such a vulnerable position to begin with that that self-confidence kind of wavers back and forth. And so during that time that I was going through chemotherapy, I did work on my self-esteem a lot. I did change the tapes in my head. I did have to get rid of gently some people that were in my life that were pulling me down. I had no space for that but it was a self-talk that I really had to change. And it was what I was listening to. It was not Bravo TV anymore. It was not looking at celebrities. It was not materialism. It was about, you know, what was I in, what was I taking in? Right. So I started to listen to more worship music. I started to listen to podcasts about empowering women and, and, and each other. And it, you know, and just, and even the, not just the music, but the people, and of course, self-talk, all of those things shape your life. 
And I know people talk about that all the time, but it really is that critical. And if you don't have a strong self-esteem, then you won't make strong decisions. You won't make positive decisions. You know, I was bullied by a doctor when I was 40 years old and ultimately, you know, had a very tragic situation happen to my arm and for sure he was to blame, but I was also a part of that because I allowed him to bully me, but it goes back to my self-esteem and my self-esteem at the time was very low. And until I worked on my self-esteem, I made very bad decisions. And one of those bad decisions was listening to a doctor bully me, allowing that to happen. So it really does a lot of this decision-making goes back to our self-esteem. Which more than likely began to grow years and years prior. Oh no, for sure. I mean, the modeling space, I I'm still in the modeling space. I love it. It's, you know, I feel most safe to be honest with you in the modeling space, because I've been doing it longer than most things in my life, but it does come with some toxicity. And, you know, when I was modeling at 11, I used to get weighed in at the modeling agency. Of course, that would never happen. Now things have changed. And the opportunities that I have now, I like I walk in New York Fashion Week. I'm 50, you know, at 50, I walked in Miami Swim Week. I just did a major campaign with Victoria's Secret as a concave model. Now that was a beautiful collaboration, right? Because I've been a model for 40 years. I have a concave chest. They're the largest lingerie brand in the world. What what a great marriage, right? Between the two, because you can show that yes, lingerie still looks beautiful on a concave chest. And and you don't have to have the perfect body type or whatever the perf- whatever the world thinks is a perfect body type and still be modeling and still be using your you know the beauty of your body with what you have to show the world that showing up for yourself is really all that matters so that was a very powerful campaign but that would have never happened 40 years ago when i started modeling so times are changing thankfully um but it takes leaders like myself who say, no, I'm not going to be shy about using my modeling career now with a concave chest. I'm going to get louder and I'm going to walk in more shows and I'm going to do bigger campaigns because I want to show the world that my self-esteem, my self-love and my beauty comes from inside. You know, I, I, I write notes as, as I listen to my guests and I, I've got all these little nuggets that you're throwing out, but I love, and I just started grinning I know you folks listening can't see me, but when you said, I'm going to get louder, I just want to put my hands in the air. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I keep getting louder. Well, I feel, you know, listen, I'm on, I have a big presence on social media and it breaks my heart to get these messages from women who feel shame and less than, and afraid to show their own husbands, their chest. And I just, I just want to hug them and say, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to get on the stage. I'm going to get in these campaigns and I'm going to show the world that no, you don't need breasts to love yourself. You don't need breasts to be beautiful. And so I am on a mission and it, it's, it's working. I'm, I'm really excited about it, but not for me. You know, I don't need it. I have the self-confidence. I worked on my self-esteem during chemotherapy, but there's a lot of people who need that. No, I, yeah, and I love it. You're, you're a, you're like a mama lion out there just roaring. Tiger. I'm going to keep going. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about your book a little bit. Um, and it's, it's beautiful, by the way, Walk Beside Me, but it's also turning into uh, a film. So share about that a little bit, because that is darned exciting. It is exciting. You know, again, and I, I want to say this very accurately, I don't get all caught up in the world, right? 
And so I, again, like 15 years ago, I probably would have been like, oh my gosh, my story is going to be a film and look at me. And, and now I'm just like, you know what? The story is important because not about, not because it's my life story, but there needs to be a story of hope about breast cancer out there. There are more and more women getting diagnosed and my story has a happy ending. And if you really go into, you do a deep dive into films, you will notice that not many protagonists in Hollywood in these films live, right? A lot of these movies like Philadelphia, even the men or the women, you know, Steel Magnolias, the protagonist dies in the end. Oh, it's a sad story. And the women, you know, come together and they care for each other. But this is a story of hope. This is a story of survival. And and I think we need to show more stories of that. But this this has not been an easy road. It's not like all of a sudden somebody just called me up and said, oh, we want to buy the rights to your book, you know, which is which is easy to say. Oh, yeah, it's so cute. It's been a lot of hard work. It's been years. It's been four years. And I, I just, I have a great partner who wrote the screenplay. His name is Ziad Hamza, who's an Oscar award-winning screenplay writer. And he approached me and we've been doing, you know, working on this for, like I said, four years. And it's, and the reason that he loves it so much is he knows it's also an important project. So we're supposed to start filming this summer. We were actually supposed to start filming in 2020, the summer of 2020. Of course that got stopped. And so, um, we're going to start again soon. And I'm very excited about it because again, it's not about me or my story, but it's a hopeful story, which I think the bigger the audience, the better, because if you have a story of hope, why not get more people to see that story of hope? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, I'm super excited about the whole thing. It's just, it's beautiful to, to, to talk to someone like you who has went through such a bumpy road. Um, but even though it was bumpy, you didn't let yourself fall in all those pit holes, you know, um, you may have, I did. You, may I did. Have, you may have, you I may did. have sunk, you may have sunk in a few, but you still pulled yourself out. You know, I climbed out. I climbed, I mean, right. I, was, I was scratched out so hard, but I, I, I did fall in those holes and I, and I did live in that fear based life for many, many years until I figured out that tomorrow wasn't promised to me. And so if I was going to live in that fear space, man, I was going to, I was going, I was sinking. But if I was going to live in a space of hope, then my life could flourish. And certainly if you watch my life, that's literally what I am showing. And I think sometimes people just need to watch that in order to learn for themselves instead of just preaching to people. Sometimes they just need to watch it. And, I, you know, I would say my my nugget of hope is for any any cancer survivor, you don't just have to survive. You have an opportunity to thrive. And I think my life is an, a perfect example of that. And 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 you're sharing that journey yes. unashamedly. With a and, lot of vulnerability. I'm not just saying, okay, these are all the successes I have now. And oh, look, my pretty hair is back. I'm saying I lived in that mud. I lived in that state of materialism. I was, I lived in that transactional world. I was addicted to materialism and, and to my external beauty until it was all taken away. And you had mentioned at the beginning, you, you we're not promised tomorrow and you don't know what tomorrow brings and it's there, but for the grace of God, go I. Beautiful. You know, like everything can be snatched away in a heartbeat, in a second. And I think so many of us forget that on our daily journeys. You're just grinding through the day. You know, you get up, take care of the kids, get to work, get the kids to their extracurricular activities, whatever season of life that you're in. I happen to be in a season where it's just me and the dog. Now um, mm -hmm. my daughter's out and on her own. It has been for years, 
but you still find if you let yourself get into that daily, you know, blah, and mm -hmm. I have to remind myself, no, Kim, you're, you're on a mission. You're yeah. on a mission here. You're yeah. sharing your words and others' stories, tossing them out there into the world and meeting people like you, such as yourself, Christine. And it's just a blessing to me. And I can't, I can't even fathom the blessing that you have more than likely been and will continue to be Hope so. in the years prior and then in the years to come because you're on such an amazing journey you're doing a, you're doing amazing things and beautiful things and I, I have absolutely loved being able to meet you and share a little bit of your story here on let fear bounce this has just been beautiful so thank you thank you for being my guest today let me say one more thing before sure. we wrap up I want to say that living the most mundane life can be so fulfilling by doing one thing that's different if you walk through life in a mundane life and you look around yourself at the grocery store, in carpool line, it, at your daily job, you can serve people all around you. That can even, that can be a little note, that can be a sweet text, that can be a smile, that can be legitimately asking somebody how their day is and listening. The, I go on walks every day. I live in Miami, Florida. It's It's not the friendliest city. I don't know that a lot of cities are friendly anymore. And I, I literally stop and look at people and say, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can do for you? How can I help you? And people are just shocked. But you know what? I guarantee I've made their day. And, 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 that, and that can be a mundane life, right? I go for a walk. I sit in my office. I work. I work with my manager. I work with my... That can be mundane. But every... Not every interaction. I don't like the word to use that word very often. But many, many interactions throughout the day, I can change the trajectory of somebody's day by focusing on serving. And so take your mundane day and turn it into something with some purpose with such little effort. And I, I'm sitting here grinning like a fool as you're sharing this because I have little nuggets of hope yeah. that I carry with me wherever I go. I, and I, always, I am always saying a nugget of hope doesn't have to be a physical thing. Like I personally hand out little nuggets, little polished stones that have the word hope on them. Yeah. It could be a smile or a hug yeah. or just a, how are you doing? Or are you okay today? J everything that you just shared. I just, I wanted to laugh out loud, not because it's funny because it's just, I absolutely love meeting other people that are out there doing the same thing, making a difference maybe not in the entire world, but you are certainly making a difference in that person's world. And we have no idea how big of a thing that may have ended up being. Well, and I think that so many people go, well, I don't have that big of a voice. I can't do this or I can't do that. That's not true. Everybody has a voice. And if you just impact one person, that's amazing. It amazing. is. It is. And I, you know, people never, you, you, you just never realize and we're not meant to know, I don't think, we're not meant to know how that might change someone's life. Golly, you just don't know. And oh, it's, yeah. it's such a blessing to hear your story. Thank you. And I know that the, you have a lot more, a lot more to your story. I would love to have you back on in a bit. Awesome. Just to, to share, you know, where you're at on your journey now and what you've been doing, you know, since today, because I'm sure that you've got a lot of amazing Amazing awesome. things that you're going to be tossing out there to make the world a better place. I am. Let's do it. Let's do it and be loud about it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks Thank again. You. 
Oh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. And everybody out there listening, I appreciate you spending just a small part of your day with myself and Christine. Everybody out there, be well, stay well, and be blessed.